Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have my sister, Hannah. She has been a missionary in YWAM for 12 years since she was very young. And her story is awesome, how God has really had her step out of her comfort zone. And it's just amazing watching God move in her life. And it's in your obedience that God uses you. And he does it with, you know, a lot of times the most unlikely people that you would not think would, you know, be doing what they're doing. And it's just proof of God because you're like, that person naturally would not be doing that on their own. But then you should watch God show up in such amazing ways. When we are obedient, we step out. You know, I always say favor follows radical obedience. And I've watched that happen in Hannah's life. If it's not her in Africa or on some missions trip or here in our own country, in our own nation, there's also, you know, poverty stricken areas and just people need Jesus. And God has used her to be, you know, like the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And Hannah is an example of that to me. She does bring the good news wherever God plants her, wherever God takes her. She's flexible with what he wants her to do. Throughout these 12 years, you know, there's been times where she's like, I feel like God is calling me to go to Moldova. I'm like, where the heck is that? Never even heard of that country. <laughs> I'm like, is that Russia? <laughs> I had to look it up because I didn't even know that country. But you know, where there's such a great need um, for God and there's such a great need for the gospel, you know, or if it was Virginia or somewhere else, her heart is to be obedient, but I'm going to let her share more about her story. Hi, Hannah. Hey, I'm so glad to have you. I'm so happy to be here and uh, be a part of your podcast. I love that you're doing this. Like I said, it's so amazing watching God work in your life as a missionary I mean, you know, I'm the oldest of eight kids. You're second to the youngest. And you and the youngest, you know, our brother Calvin is just super shy, super reserved. And I just remember um, when I was, when we were younger, you know, you would just stay and read books. You were a total bookworm. You would read books all day long and you were totally content, totally happy, just reading books, being chill. Not like me, an extrovert who always wanted to go out and play and make friends, right? Right. <laughs> so, it seems like, you know, logically, I would be the one that would go be adventurous, you know, go work for Jesus everywhere and just leave everybody and just kind of go do that, right? It really does point to it is God because he'll use somebody that is just the most unlikely person naturally to do the most unlikely things. And I remember, and I'm going to have you share, but I just remember you um, were subscribed to one of those... Uh, teenage magazines was Bria. Brio. Yes, Brio. With focus and, on the family. Yeah. With focus on the family. Yeah, it was focus on the family. And you were just like reading your monthly magazine on your bed. And I don't know why I always remember this picture, but I walked into your room and you were reading this magazine. And you just like told me, I wonder what God wants to do with me. I wonder what his purpose is for me. Yeah. But I, you mentioned like feeling maybe God was putting it on your heart to be a missionary, but you know, how fearful or timid that would be for, you know, your personality. Like you're like, I'm not leaving home. I'm not doing that. Like what the, like, I don't even know what that looks like. Right. Talk about mm -hmm. the unknown. Right. 
Right. So I want you to share, but you know, I think about it. You no, know, anytime that God calls us uh, any spot outside of our comfort zone initially makes us feel, you know, fearful and timid. But in reality, we know following God means stepping into a life filled with adventure because the kingdom of God is not just talking, it's living by God's power, as it says in Ephesians 1, you know. And all we have to do is look at biblical narratives and people in the Bible. None of them are predictable or tame. Instead, they read like adventure novels, racing from one supporting scene to another. And the people that God used were constantly living outside their comfort zones. God was always moving them, molding them, and calling them to trust him in unfamiliar, uncomfortable places. And so your story is an example of that. And so is mine. I mean, I have a different journey, but the same thing. You know, we could talk about that later. But I want you to share when you first, how old you were when you first had God start to work on your heart and plant the idea of being a missionary and what led you to where you are today. Share some mm. of your story with us. Okay. Yeah, I could totally do that. I did not want to be a missionary, surprisingly. Uh, as Leah said, I was very shy, reserved, and I actually really enjoyed my family. I wanted to stay with my family. <laughs> um, I wanted to be like a nurse or um, I actually wanted to be a nurse in the Air Force. And so I was like, had that in my mind. I'm going to be a nurse in the Air Force. And so I was, I think, maybe 15 at the time. So I'm like, when I graduate, so that's three years. And um, <laughs> I remember I just, like, that was all I could talk about is I'm going to be a nurse in the Air Force. And my dad, uh, we had come back from um, a Bible study that we were a part of. And uh, in the car, I was just talking to him about how that was my plan for my life. And my dad <laughs> asked me, he's like, well, that's great, Hannah. But have you prayed about it? Classic dad. I, yeah, classic dad. Exactly. I was like, of course, because uh, that was the right answer. And then I had a conviction of, I better pray about it tonight. <laughs> because a little after. Um, and so that night I was like, I better pray about it. So that, that way I wouldn't have, even though I lied to my dad, uh, it wouldn't be that big of a lie because I actually prayed about it after the fact. And uh, I was praying and I felt like God said, and this is like the first time I really remember hearing like God speak to me or whatever it was, uh, um, he wanted me in his army. And I was like blown away. I was like his army. What the heck? That sounds, uh, that sounds weird. It <laughs> sounds a little scary. And I was like, what, it, what does that even mean? And then I just felt like missionary just, um, drop. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And I kind of like pushed it away. And I was like, no, I don't want that. That's like the last thing I want. Uh, they leave their family. <laughs> They're like, talking in public because all the missionaries I've seen came to our church and they were speaking in public and I was like ah that's a blessing lord do you even know me <laughs> and, uh, and then the whole idea of living off of finances of like donations and stuff I was like that, that's not what I want in my life and that's like the opposite like the exact opposite of what I want so I wrote it down and I kind of like oh maybe I'll go away if I just kind of ignore it a little <laughs> And then that next Sunday and month at our church, it was like a missions month. And so every Sunday I was talking about missions and I was like, oh, wow. great. And like, I feel like uh, I'm trying to hammer something home and you can escape it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then uh, Leah mentioned I used to get Brio and um, that month, the Brio focus was on missions. And I was just like, oh, great. Like, I think God's maybe trying to tell me something. And so I was like, at that point, 
I was 15 and I kind of had this time of like, I knew that's what God was calling me to do, but I was really not going to do it. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be obedient to that. But first I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And that included a ton of traveling with my sister, um, Noelle. So I just traveled a lot with my sister, got a job at like 15 so that I could travel. And in the back of my mind, I knew like, I'm going to eventually be a missionary. And I was waiting for me to become the type of person that would be a missionary. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'll be bold by the time that happens. And I remember, I forget where it was. I think it was in a church service or maybe I was talking to somebody. And they said, they were like, delayed obedience is disobedience. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe uh, I need to stop putting this off. And that was, at, I was 22 at that time. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to start actually taking active steps into walking in missions and um, going, like making steps into missions, you know? And so, yeah, that's how I was called into missions. And so then how did the door for YWAM open up? How did you even know, you know, know about YWAM or that was where God was calling you? How did that all come about? Well, I was looking into a few options of young single people to go into missions. And at that point, I didn't see a lot. Most of them, if you want to be full-time missions, you had to be married and have a, a degree in seminary or or whatnot. And I was like, oh, do I need to go to seminary? Like, trying to figure it out. And um, a good friend of mine, Lisa, her parents are full-time in YWAM. Yeah. She told me that there's that option that they do do missions trips and maybe I should check it out. And I remember, like, I didn't even know what YWAM was. I was like, YWAM? Wow. <laughs> You're so cute, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. And so I was about 22 and I was looking at um, the YWAM.org and they have like all the y um, DTSs that are like going and stuff. And I was just like, oh, which one? There's so many options. And I was going to, I could just tell right now, I was going to let all those options just delay me even more because I was just going to be like, oh, I had to look through each one, make sure I get the right one. And there was this banner and <laughs> it was find your call, lose your fear. Wow. And <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one I have to go to. And it was really great. You're losing your fear check. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need that fear lost. Is that before or after? <laughs> yeah. So it's great. I loved it. That was in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. Yes, I remember coming to visit you there and I was so proud of you. And it was your, you know, the beginning of your journey and I loved it. It was so fun. Thanks for sharing. Uh, there's just no arguing the point that following God means exactly that. We follow, right? We don't lead. Mm -hmm. And even if it makes us uncomfortable, otherwise we miss out on his full plan for us and all the blessings that come with it. As an independent person like me, I've always had a, you know, a fierce independent spirit being the oldest and, you know, just kind of, I love you, Jesus, but I got this. And, you know, I have a similar story of God just uprooting me. 
I remember when he told me, you know, being from California, I was kind of in the California bubble. And I used to tell all my friends, you know, some friends I've had for 20 years to this day, and they remember this. But I would say, you know, I'm never leaving Cali. You know, West Coast is the best coast, you know, but 10 minutes away from my family. Any one of you guys could just call me and I could just be at your house. I never missed out on any of the birthdays or the holidays or anything like that. It was just super convenient. I was with my family and I was really living in my comfort zone. And even though I loved God and I went to church and I was moral, I really wasn't living too uncomfortable when you think about it. You know, I was where I wanted to be. For me personally, I had to go through a lot of heartache to get to this point. I didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. A lot of times he uses the pain that we go through to set us on his course for our lives, right? And I was at a very desperate place. I was in New Jersey for about a year and everything fell apart in my life. And I remember asking God, I was very broken. You know, I was going, really going through it. And I said, you know, where do you want me to go? And I knew it was going to be a fork in the road for me, wherever it was. So I thought, you know, is it going to be California where my family is? Or is it going to be here, you know, where I'm at now in the South, right? Mm -hmm. And I just felt like God was calling me to come here. And, you know, it didn't make sense at first. And I remember asking him, you know, I was really going through a lot. I was in like rock bottom in my life, you know, going through a lot of pain, um, dealing with a lot. And I remember asking God, you know, why do you have me here? Why did you bring me here? Why did you uproot me, you know, across the country from my family that I said I would never leave? You know, in this state that is a totally different culture, you know, it's so different. Um, you know, I didn't really fit in here. And I was alone. I didn't have any friends or family. I had nobody. It was just me in an apartment. You know, why did you bring me here, Lord? Why would you bring me here? Right. And clear as day, Hannah, God told me I had to uproot you and bring you here because you would have never been who I'm calling you to be still in your comfort zone, 10 minutes from your family. I'm going to do a new thing in you, not a revised version, but a new thing in you. It was mm -hmm. clear as day. It shook me. People that you know, knew me and loved me, they had their own assumptions on why I moved here. But really, God made it clear from the very beginning when I questioned it, you know, like, why would you bring me over here? You know, I said I would never leave. I was very lonely. You know, you go from being mm -hmm. 10 minutes from a family of 10 to zero, you know, and I'm an extrovert. So I'm I'm different. Right. That radical step of obedience has made me who I am today, where I am not even the same person. But it was very hard the first few years. I mean, he had to strip me of everything comfortable for me. Um, everybody thought I was going to make a ton of friends really quick because I was always good at that. And it was like God would not allow me to make friends. Like I would meet someone, we would connect, we would really like each other. And that person would just never call me again for no reason. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening? I was in a very vulnerable place. And I really know now that God really wanted my attention. He wanted it to be just me and him, Jesus plus nothing. And so everything that was natural to me, he was like, no, you're actually going to, I'm going to put you in an isolation season where it's just me and you. And you're going to fall in love with me. And I'm going to give you your true identity in Christ. And it's not going to be um, based on people you know or relationships you have. And I remember him starting to reveal that to me. He actually gave me a vision of a shelf, a bookshelf. And he said, so many people have so many things that they idolize on the shelf. And Jesus is just on the shelf with all these other things, right? It could be their family. It could be their job. It could be money. It could be, it could be whatever. And 
he was showing me that mine was relationships. And I almost idolized like my family and my friends and those relationships. And I remember telling Jesus, like, you can take whatever you want from me, Lord, just don't take my people. <laughs> I'm like, just don't take my people. And he said, mm -hmm. oh, really? That's the thing? That's the thing that you, you're you holding on to? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to require of you, right? And so he's All right. You made it an, a lordship issue. Right. So if, if you are saying, Lord, you can touch all this, but not this, but you're, I'm going to call you Lord, then he's going to be like, am I Lord if you're telling me there's an area I can't touch? And so now it's a matter of you have to let that, that go. Now we're going to see where where your lordship actually lies. Right. So you have to lay that down. Right. It's not because God doesn't want good things for you or he doesn't have good things in store for us. It's just sometimes there's things that we know are unknowingly put before him. Right. And in his goodness to actually be our savior and our Lord, he has to ask us, would you trust me to lay that down? Right. Would, right. would you allow me to actually be Lord in your life? Because what right. I have is better than what you could imagine. But sometimes it looks painful, but it's way better. Like I remember when I was like maybe probably eight years in, I was serving and we were doing medical missions. And I just had this moment where I was like, I would have never have chosen this if this is what I was created for. Yeah. And it was just like a beautiful moment of God knowing me better than I knew myself. Yeah. And because we have so much brokenness in our life, our fears or whatnot, sometimes we don't even realize what we are sacrificing in the pursuit of our own comfort, mm. you know? And so... Yeah, the journey with God is sometimes hard, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. When he he said, you know, well, that's the thing that I'm going to require for you to give me is, you know, uh, your people. But that's when he was able to do that deep, you know, at first it was very painful work. He had to uproot a lot of things, things that were habits, things that were character traits, things, the way we were raised, things that we thought were normal, the things that we justify, all the pride, all the things, you know, and that's when he was able to do that because there was no distractions. He literally stripped me from all the distractions and it's been almost 10 years of that. And I feel like he's just now shifting that season, right? But it, mm -hmm. it took years for him to get me to the place where he's like, okay, now I trust you with my kingdom business because your heart is pure and you've allowed me to do the, the work necessary to elevate you, to take you to a different level, to take you to, you know, where I need to take you. And, right. like, you, and like you said, you know, there's a lot of people that claim to be Christians, but being a Jesus follower and having him as Lord of your life is a whole nother life. That's a whole nother lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that being raised in the church and, and having morals and being a good girl, a good girl, right? <laughs> that, mm -hmm. you know, I was cool with Jesus. I was in God's will. You know, I was good. And it wasn't until he started stripping things from me and doing that deep work in me that I was like, well, I was jacked up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like not even the same person anymore. So that just shows you God was like, oh, you think you're okay, but you're not. And that was just pride. And he had to uproot pride from my life and things like that. So anytime, you know, you're put in the fire, of course, it's going to be painful and uncomfortable at first. But what comes out is pure gold and it's worth it.
you know? And it's like a pearl that needs to be chipped away to shine. It's a very abrasive process, but out comes this beautiful pearl that shines bright, gets everyone's attention and, you know, gives God all the glory. And, mm. you know, we both can say that we've walked that in different ways where God has stripped us from our comfort zone. You know, everything that we said that we wouldn't do or thought we, we could never do, you know, he said, yeah, by yourself, you can't do it. But with me and my power, my strength, all things are possible and you will be able to do it. And you'll always know it was me because it's not something you naturally would do, right? It really points to God. It gives him all the credit, right? <laughs> we can yeah. never take any, any of the credit. <laughs> I just wanted to be that little sheep bollocking over there by myself. And the shepherd came and was like, no, 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 you're over here. <laughs> this is where I want you. Exactly. <laughs> Did you know that's you're near a cliff? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So everything changed for me personally. One day I came home from a meeting. You know, I came back to my apartment at the time. I was living by myself. It was on Sunday afternoon. I was sitting on the couch and I asked God, what do you need to do in me? And mm-hmm. he said, I'm calling you to surrender, surrender all. And that, you know, I was born and raised in the church. And like I said, I was a good Christian girl. I was moral. People actually looked up to me in my faith already. So it's interesting because, you know, here people are looking up to me in my faith, but God's standards for us are so much higher. And I just remember in that moment, literally dropping to my knees onto the carpet and I stretched out my arms and I said, then do it, Lord. Do whatever you need to do in me. I'm yours. And all I can tell you, Hannah, it was like a host of angels were singing over my shoulder and saying, we've waited our whole life for you to make this decision. I wasn't where God wanted me to be. I wasn't there. There was things that God wanted to do in me. And it wasn't things that were maybe on paper or obvious. It wasn't like I was living this reckless life or anything. For me, it was conditions of my heart. Because in all honesty, I wasn't really surrendered. You know, I kind of did my own thing. I was driving when he was the passenger. I know, yeah, I love you, Jesus. You're my buddy. But I got the wheel. As long as I plan in my life, right? And he said, no, how about you sit in the back seat and I actually drive the car? Mm. And, and and you're not a backseat driver, you know, because you're in the back, right? <laughs> Passenger tends to be a backseat driver. They call them, you know, where they try to give you directions and tell you when to turn. He's like, how about you just sit in the back? I'm going to actually drive this car. Great. And when I tell you to make a move, you do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's a totally different life. You know, I think a lot of people think that if they give God everything, if they surrender, if they step outside of their comfort zone, give their life completely over to God, their finances, their money, their job, their their relationships, in every aspect of their life, if they give it all to God, they think they're going to live miserable. They think God's going to take away all the fun, you know, that they're not going to enjoy life. They're not going to be able to do their heart's desires, their dreams, or whatever it is that prevents them from doing it. Sometimes it's brokenness. Sometimes they need, you know, healing from past wounds, or maybe they've blamed God for things that have happened in their life, but those things can prevent you from really giving your life to God in a complete act of surrender. And so God really wants to restore us in every aspect so we can really walk in that freedom, but it's all a lie from the enemy because, you know, he wants us to be limping the rest of our life. He doesn't want us to pursue our destiny. And so he lies to us and he'll plant lies that we start to believe. But the truth is when you really give God everything, whatever you want, you know, I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. I'm yours. There is an overwhelming 
unexplainable, supernatural peace that you live with. I have more peace now, stripped of everything, completely surrendered than I had when I was calling the shots, you know? <laughs> and there's also favor. If he orders you to do something, he always pays for it. He always comes through. And you have amazing stories. I, you've watched God through, you know, in ways like those that are listening might be asking yourself, you know, how do you know if God is calling you outside your comfort zone? Well, what do you feel an urge to do, but keep talking yourself out of? I mean, not just an urge, it would be a Holy Spirit urge. Right. I think when you know it's God urging you to do something, you can't really shake it. It might be scary. And it's not something that you might necessarily want to do. But you know, let's say personally, I know when God's calling me to do something, it's I try to talk myself out of it all the time because I don't want to do it. I, but I don't want to do it, not because it won't be good, but because I'm afraid right. of how I, I'm going to be perceived or what are they going to think of me? I know that in the end, God will get glory. This will be beneficial, <laughs> but I, I don't want to do it because it's not comfortable for me. And the thing is, is you any growth requires some pain. Right. And so when God's calling us out of the, our comfort zone, it's a, a time of growth. So we're growing in something. And so are we growing towards God or are we going to grow away from God? Right. So I think that's where you determine whether it's from God or not is, is this going to draw me closer to God or is this going to draw me away from God, away from his church, you know? Right. So I think you, we have to be careful because it's not just God in, at work, but the enemy is also trying to pull us away from our call. Yeah. And he does that in very tricky ways. And so it's like a muscle. You do have to, I would recommend anybody just really study the character of God throughout the whole Bible. You see very clearly God's character. And if there's something, uh, a prompting that's going contrary to the character of God, that that would be like a signal to not do that. Because mm -hmm. he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's unchanging in his character. Right. And we could stand firm on the character of God. Right. And it could be something simple that God's calling you to. It's not always, you know, be a missionary, move across a country like us. You know, God might be calling you to walk across the street to meet a neighbor, put your dreams onto paper, offering an olive branch in a strained relationship or teach a Bible study. You know, it doesn't have to be very extreme and big moves. I mean, that's our stories, but God could be calling you to do something that seems, you know, more simple. But what really matters is that you're obedient. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for mm -hmm. obedience. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit is persistent. He urges us to trust and depend on God when everything in us resists doing so. And when we quench him by hardening our hearts, we miss out on a great adventure with God. I remember one time I was um, speaking to a girl. She was telling me that God was calling her to go on a, like a medical missions. and. Her whole family was against her doing it, but she knew it was God, but her, her family had a lot of sway. And so she ended up not doing it. I didn't really know her that well, but she asked me to coffee and I felt like the Holy spirit was telling me to tell her you're out of God's will. And I was like, I don't even know this girl. I'm not telling her something that <laughs> direct. <laughs> I'm bold, but I'm not like, <laughs> and he said, tell her, tell her that she's out of my will. And I remember, you know, here she's at the coffee shop. She's ac sitting across from me and she's weeping and she looks tormented. You know, she's not at peace at all. And mm -hmm. she's asking me, what should she do? 
And I said, well, just a simple fact that you look miserable. This is not God's will <laughs> because yes, it's work to partner with God. It takes effort, right? But the one thing that I know and I can testify to is that when God is calling you to something, there's peace. She did not have any peace. And so I said, you're out of God's will. You need to do what God's called you to do. And she said, you're the only one that's told me that, but I know it's true. And I remember a couple of days later, she sent me a message online and she said, thank you so much, you know, um, for being honest and telling me the truth. I needed that. And she went and did what God told her to do. So even though it was delayed, she still did it. And mm -hmm. she had so much peace, you know, and it was only a few months. And then, you know, she was done with it. It was just an assignment God had for her. You know, it's not always, you know, uprooting yourself. Sometimes it's an assignment. Like mm -hmm. I was saying, something um, simple like walking and talking to your neighbor of God. Sometimes you can be in a grocery store and God will have you say something to someone. And that's out of your comfort zone. I remember when I was in my early 20s and I worked at a bank and one of my coworkers, she worked down the hallway and I didn't know her that well, but she was the girl that would always bring me the files I had to work on. And so that morning she brought me a bin of files. And this is before I was where I'm at in my faith today. And I didn't even really turn around I, to pay attention to her. I was typing away on the computer. You know, she was just doing what she always does. She brings me the files. Mm -hmm. I heard God tell me, tell her Jesus loves her. I was in an open office with other people that could hear because of the cubicle like we shared with five people. So I'm like, I'm not trying to say that. And uh, the secular bank. Right. <laughs> but then he repeated himself. You're he like, did I whisper it? Jesus. You know, <laughs> literally, it's not like I had a closed office, you know, like this was like an open, you know. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, I wasn't where I'm at now, right? I was like a lot younger. I wasn't there, right? But anyways... <laughs> But he repeated himself and he said, tell her Jesus loves her. And I'm like, okay. So I turned around. I looked at her. I looked her straight in the eyes. And I said, Vani, I said, Jesus loves you. She literally started weeping in that moment right there at my cubicle, at my desk. She just started crying. She like lost it. And I was like, oh, I guess I, I was supposed to do that. <laughs> and she said, thank you, Leah. I needed that. And I was like, okay. And then she went to her, you know, back to her office, right down the hall. She called me on the phone to my office and she said, thank you, Leah. You don't know how much I needed this. And then she started telling me all the stuff that she was going through in her personal life and everything that was going on. And we became really fast friends after that. She wanted to see me all the time. She wanted to hang out. And that was because I was obedient. You don't know what God is calling you to do. You know, you might be the healing balm that someone needs. You might be just what somebody needs. You don't know what people are going through. You're making room for the miraculous when you're obedient to what God's calling you to do. So no matter what it looks like, when you push past this, there's so much joy in being obedient. There's actually so much reward when you are obedient. You know, you're not missing out. You're not losing out. What would you say, Hannah, with your journey now with being a missionary was maybe one of the most challenging. You were stretched out of your comfort zone. All of it. <laughs> Waking up. There is a story I would share. It was when I was on a medical outreach, we were doing these health clinics. One time when I was in Nepal, uh, we were doing a health clinic in this small village that it, we had to get there with a boat and then wow. uh, hike up into this little thing and the only place that we can do the clinic was like under this tree in the middle of this village. This guy came on his tractor. I'm like, I didn't even know they had tractors over here, but 
was carried in on a tractor and his whole foot was covered with black char. And we asked like what happened and his hot oil fell on his foot a few days before. And I'm there, I don't say this out loud, but I'm thinking, oh, this looks real bad. He's probably going to need his toes. Like he needs to go to a doctor and get his, like, get this taken care of. Like he couldn't feel his toes. Like amputation or something. I, my mind had jumped there. I was like, hey, this is not look good. We spent, this other girl and I, we spent like over two hours slowly trying to bring it, go back to the fresh skin where it's growing so that we could put the ointment on it and treat him. We treat his foot after a few hours. We're really tired. And I just felt, well, I'm, I'm supposed to give him a Bible and share the gospel with him. And I was like, do you have a moment? Can I share with you about Jesus? So I shared the gospel story with him. And, but I felt like not to ask him if he wanted to receive it. Because we had asked him to come back in a few days. We wanted to check out his foot again, make sure that it's healing and progressing. And we were leaving in two days. And so we asked, could you come back in two days? And we're going to check out your foot. And I, and I said, and I'm going to give you this Bible. And I want you just to think about the story I've shared with you. And when you come back, I'm going to ask you what you think about it. So he leaves and we go on doing the health clinics and we're about to leave. And it's a Saturday in Nepal. They have their, their uh, worship services on Saturday. And that day was like chaos. First off, we're packing up to leave. We were preaching the service in the chicken coop church. And as we're sharing a giant earthquake happened in Kathmandu. It was, I forget what year it was, but it was huge. Buildings collapsing. And that happened during the time we were sharing. I remember so actually were, seeing that in the news here. Thousands of people died. There was a yeah. huge devastation. So that happened at that Saturday. People were calling them. Oh, like some, at first I was just like, oh, we're from California. Like, oh, this is an earthquake. We go on with life. And they're like getting calls about the devastation buildings falling down, people dying. And this guy, like, I kind of forgot about the guy, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, but he's there. And I was like, oh, he's here. And we're all trying to get in the bus. We had to go before the next bus and who knows. And so I grab a translator real quick. We check out his foot. Oh my goodness. It was a miracle. It was completely pink. And like you see new growth coming in. He can move his toes. It was like a a night and day difference. Right. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good. And it was like beyond our capabilities to deal with this. Like I was, I told him like, we're going to give you these antibiotics make sure you take them and you need to go to a doctor. Like we're going to help give you this ointment, but you need to go to a doctor. Like this, this is, this is beyond a tree clinic under the tree clinic. Okay. This is like, you need a doctor. Um, and I was like, wow. And I am there with the, um, the translator. And I said, and did you get time to read the Bible about that story? And he's like, yeah. And I said, would you like to um, invite Jesus to be your savior and your Lord? And he said, yes. And so as the team is like packing up in the bus, I'm like, okay, could you get the pastor? Because there's just this one pastor in this village. Like, And I was able to connect them and have the pastor lead him actually in salvation, um, prayer and everything. And it was just beautiful. And like, 
as he's doing it, they're like, yeah, get in the bus. <laughs> I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, yeah, I, I didn't feel like the moment that I felt like the prompting to share the salvation story, I was exhausted. I was tired. I didn't even know if the guy had it in him to even hear the story. <laughs> and yeah, I just did it because of that prompting and just... Yeah, I think I had a ton of fruit in his life and um, in his family. Wow. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Salvation. <laughs> that's amazing. And there is going to be an element when God is growing you and, and God is stretching you. There's always going to be, you can't grow without discomfort. I'll just tell you that. Even as a teenager, when you're growing, you know, you see these angsty teenagers and it's because they're in this like transition. God, he stretches you, he grows you, you become, you know, more surrendered. You know, he, he gives you peace with what he's called you to do. There's times when what I originally would have been like so uncomfortable with that I grew and where it wasn't as uncomfortable to do that anymore. And I found life in it. Whereas originally, if you had asked me 12 years ago, I would have been like, never, never am I going to do that. Never do I want to do that. And every time I thought about doing it, I would break out in cold sweat. But as I I was walking obedience little by little, it became easier and easier where he would ask me, like I was led to do something, do the same situation. And it was not that uncomfortable. I even found enjoyment in it. There's always an initial discomfort that God will call you to of kind of wrestling with God at first. It could be something is getting up early to read your Bible, spending time with him. That could be uncomfortable. You're like, I'm not giving up my sleep, right? I'm sleeping until such and such time. I'm not getting up early. And God's like, no, I'm actually calling you to get up an hour earlier, right? That is mm. coming out of your comfort zone. So even something like releasing offense and forgiving someone is uncomfortable. God's like, no, I want you to let it go. In fact, I want you to be kind to your enemy. I want you to be kind to the person that just did that to you. That is very uncomfortable. Human nature is not where God's trying to take us. He wants to take us to a level of faith that we don't naturally have. So anytime God is calling you to a net, the next level, he's trying to take you somewhere higher. There's going to be a level of discomfort. Just like in any growth process, right? Any transition, there's always going to be a level of discomfort. I mean, if you just stay in the same spot doing the same thing, there won't be. But if God's calling you to do something that you maybe you've never done before, or it's hard for you to do, or, you know, you feel scared to do it, then that is going to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Riding in a race and you're trying to push um, to the next goal, your muscles are going to hurt once again. Even though you've been running and you're comfortable running, but now you're going to run to a further distance. You're going to be right. sore the next few days, right. you know, as there's this discomfort and pressing yourself further, you know, to grow a little further. It's really, we're having confidence in the character of God, yeah. that he's going to be true to his character and to his word. Yeah. What would you say the biggest benefits of stepping out of your comfort zone, being obedient to God? Mm. The biggest benefit is relationship with God. <laughs> it seems maybe cliche or whatnot, but it's the reality of a life of obedience. You learn how you could trust God. I don't need to understand everything. You know, this peace that comes from, yeah, I don't want to do it, but if I trust God, whether it's uncomfortable, whether I don't understand how this will work or, or like, 
as we see things go crazy in the world around us and we're like, oh, how could this possibly work out? The more you step out in obedience, the more you do things that are uncomfortable, that make no logical sense to you. You're like, hey, nothing actually could hinder God at work, you know? This confidence in who God is, because you've seen it so often that you're like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I, I know who I, my trust is in. And so there's a peace in the discomfort. There's that quiet in the storm. Yeah. So I think the, but more than that, it's like my personal relationship with God just goes deeper and deeper. The more I'm able to walk in obedience and, and trust him rather than my own logic, rather than my own fears or my own insecurities. There's been like this deeper trust and intimacy. So that's the greatest benefit. It's yeah. personal and selfish. <laughs> it's true. You know, people will disappoint you, right? But God has a perfect track record. So if there's anyone I'm going to trust, it's going to be God because he has a perfect track record. <laughs> you know, right. his, his character is constant. It's true. He hasn't failed us and he's not going to start now, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that we can really, really rely on and we can put our life on the line for, you know, mm -hmm. because he does mm -hmm. have that. And the longer that you walk with God, like you were saying, wow, he got me through that, 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 and that you go down memory lane and you're like, of course, he's going to come through again. And a lot of times when you see someone that leaves the church or they walk away from God or their faith or, and because they blame God, but I mean, God is perfect, you know, but you have to know him to know that. And you have to walk mm -hmm. with him to know that. Like having a good friendship, the longer you have a friendship with someone and you get to see it, they're always there for me. You know, they have my back, how loyal they are, how consistent they are. You trust them more and more, right? Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're calling them for help for things that you wouldn't normally maybe ask for help, but this person's always there for me, right? And the same with God. Now, you're not going to call a stranger and ask them for help because you don't know if it's going to work out for your benefit, right? But God wants us to have that, like you said, an intimate relationship with him where we trust his character. We trust his ways. His ways are not our ways. You know, they're much bigger, much higher. His timing is not our timing. And just to trust that he is who he says he is. You know, his plans for us are to give us hope in the future, not to harm us, like Jeremiah 29, 11 says. You know, he really has our back. Well, sis, we're about to wrap up now. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share today? Uh, um, okay, okay, okay. I'm just going to say something that I haven't really thought about in a long time, but it, it got me through the first few years, the missions probably, is <laughs> this little this little saying is that, God doesn't always call the equipped, but he equips the called. Amen. And that oftentimes we're always like, oh, there's somebody better out there that could do what God's calling me to do. And yeah, there is. The reality is there's somebody that could speak better than you, has more faith than you, has more obedience, all this stuff. But God wants to equip you to do what he's calling you to do, that you're not overlooked. And as we step out, God is a strengthening in us and equipping us along the way. You just have to read the Bible to see all, all the stories of all the heroes God uses and how they're not quite ready, but they are being perfected along the journey. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the disciples, they had to leave everything to follow Jesus, right? So God does call us, you know, to give up things that are comfortable to us or give up things that, you know, we've become accustomed to in order to follow him, right? Right. Well, thank you, sis, so much for coming on today. I just loved our conversation. 
and sharing about our journeys and what God has done in our life through our obedience and our surrender and stepping out of our comfort zone. Would you pray for those that are maybe struggling there? Maybe there's some fear. God's calling them to do something. The Holy Spirit has been really tugging at them, tugging at their hearts, urging them maybe to step out in some way. And for some reason, they are not walking in that obedience. Yeah. Lord, we just know that you are a good God, that you're trustworthy. Yes. That you're dependable. And that where where we are weak, you are strong. And that you're not afraid of our imperfections and our weaknesses. And so I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just give us boldness to be obedient to your prompting. And that we would step aside and allow you to use us in your ways. That we would be good stewards of the invitations that you give us to partner with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, sis. Oh, I loved having you on today. This warms my heart. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on. I love you. I love you too. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.